Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? Now, do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Blit, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The often bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host Iris and I am here with my older brother. And today we are discussing the most anticipated film of 2020, Tenet. And I will explain everything. Is your audio intentionally muffled? Well, yes, because we had to hear everything, not only in funny accents, but also through a mask and sometimes backwards. (laughs) Backwards through a degraded walkie-talkie. Christopher Nolan had this problem, too, in uh, The Dark Knight. Uh, The Dark Knight Rises, the trailer, people came out of it. They couldn't understand Bane at all. And so they actually did some ADR. They did some cleaning up to make him somewhat intelligible. Yeah, I think I saw online a photo of a notice posted in Cinemark Theater saying, Our speakers are working fine. This is how the movie is supposed to sound. It is kind of a problem because a lot of exposition is necessary for these movies and we don't get it very clearly. So Amy, Brian and I did see Tenet in the theater, as did you. And the trailers were playing for some reason with audio, but no picture. And I was like, hmm, this doesn't bode well for a smooth technical experience. I mean, it seemed fine once the movie started to play, knowing that, you know, Christopher Nolan prefers a kind of confounding sound mix. But the good side, at least, is you were able to just walk from your house to the closest IMAX theater, right? It's like right (laughs) around the corner. What was your total drive time? Round trip. Four hours. 
the theater experience was part of the tenant experience, right? You everything feels strange and you're wearing a mask and you're scared venturing out because the world is a different place and like you don't trust your popcorn because the theaters had just opened in San Diego County where we had to go. Yes. And so walking in, there were posters and standees for like Onward and Black Widow and Soul with the, you know, the June 30th release date. A Quiet Place 2. Yes. And so and then the craziest thing coming out of the theaters, you know, my mind was blown and I was all twisted and scrambled eggs. And I looked at the posters again and they were different. Soul had like a November release date. Black Widow had a November release date. And I was like, what is happening? And because they had just opened, they were working on updating the theater while we were in the movie experience. Oh, my gosh. They did it just to mess with you. Yeah. Super bizarre. So Tenet. So Tenet. Palindrome. Not only is it a palindrome, but it's also 10-10. 10 minutes for each pincher. Pincher. Pincer. Pincher. Pincer. (laughs) 10 minutes for each pincher movement. The red team and the blue team each had 10 minutes to achieve their mission. So it was 10 and 10 inverted. Okay. Got it. Man. Cool. Deep. Layers. Yeah. At its base concept, it's a spy movie. It's what I call a... Movie, which is James Bond backwards. <laughs> Did you record yourself and play it back just to say that? No, I, no. I just I wrote it down backwards by painstakingly <laughs> writing each letter preceding the next letter. Uh, yeah. That's dorky. Stan- you know, with the standard nifugsum, which is MacGuffin. Because who knows or who cares what the algorithm is? Who knows who cares who the Oppenheimer scientist of the future who reverses entropy and creates inversion? Who cares? What do you care about? Going into an immersive experience where I can put my head underwater and breathe in the world that is Christopher Nolan's tenant. And what I got was a hot tub, a whirlpool, a confusing jets of water up my butt kind of experience did you come out of the theater fig puckered yeah fig puckered um i wanted to go and have fun and i don't know if it's possible to come out of tenet if you're not christopher nolan and not feel like a big dum-dum well we discussed this in our review of inception available now on patreon please like and subscribe (laughs) that christopher nolan films succeed because you can enjoy them if you just sit and enjoy the spectacle. And then there's something more if you're willing to work for it. Yeah, you got to pick up the pieces later. And that was what made Tenet a great road trip movie because we had two hours to dissect the film on the way home, which was like, whoa, we just spent our whole day going to see Tenet, watching Tenet, eating tacos, and then talking about Tenet. And then I went home and I researched Tenet. Thankfully, I came at Tenet with a basic understanding of physics. The concept of entropy. Yes. Well, that is drilled into my mind since as long as I can remember the definition of entropy. Do you know what dad's definition of entropy is? Uh, no. Our dad, by the way, aerospace engineer, and he'd always quote it in his like dad voice where he yep. would be like, entropy <laughs> is the measure of the randomness of the universe. And he would say it with like gravity like that. But, and he would he would say how like his professor said that on his first day of physics class at Lane Tech or wherever he went. University and, of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. And how he expected me to just pick that up and like run with it. It's a MacGuffin. Well, 
the plutonium MacGuffin, which became the algorithm MacGuffin, were MacGuffins. But entropy, are you saying that the science really isn't important to understanding Tenet? I watched a dorky video with a dorky dude talking about the physics of Tenet, and I turned it off three minutes in because I, I said, well, this is definitely engaging to dorks. I didn't want to get this deep because it didn't fundamentally fuel my understanding. I was getting lost in a different concept. Hmm. Did you? I mean, because dad can define it in broad concepts, but did it make sense? Did you say, oh, because dad's wisdom throughout my upbringing, did it really help you to have a, a grounding, as a foot, some footing in this movie? I think understanding entropy as energy and entropy, what is entropy? Entropy is also, oh my God, now I am getting into it too deeply. <laughs> Entropy is basically energy and time. And if I think if you understand that, then you can understand how it can be reversed and how, you know, heat plays a factor into it, which is somewhat important to understand, especially when the protagonist is burned but wakes up with hypothermia. Yes. And he, but he comes back through time, still moving back in time. When he comes to, they are inverted and moving back through time. <laughs> So I went into this like Bill and Ted. Things are happening and things this are afoot. This movie was so Bill and Ted. Right. This movie was like Bill and Ted in three-piece suits. But it would be as if Rufus explained all the, the details of the phone booth as opposed to just getting there and being like, whoa. Right. I mean, it, it was kind of like explaining a joke or having to explain a joke. And then when you explain it, it's not funny anymore. So you have to kind of go along for the ride. And unfortunately, the, a lot of this ride was in reverse. Bill and Ted is a parody of Tenet in many ways. And it's more interesting because it came out before Tenet. Because Christopher Nolan went back in time and created <laughs> Bill and Ted Face the Music to prepare us for Tenet. He did it indirectly so as not to draw suspicion. Right. So let's get down to the basics, the dumb, dumb concepts of Tenet. Not conceptually the movie and its physics, but rather just the basic components of this movie. Okay. John David, who refers to, who prefers to be called John David because that is in fact his first name. He doesn't have a middle name. Really? Yep. Did you realize who he was? Yes. John David Washington. This was, I admit, my first experience with him. And while I wasn't like, oh, that's Denzel on the screen the whole time, in interview, he talks and laughs and has gesticulations just like his dad. Very distracting. But we will refer to him henceforth as JD. It must be hard to come up in the shadow of a dad like Denzel Washington. Yeah, absolutely. And I heard that he never wanted to be an actor. Or he, at least that wasn't his goal. And then he, yeah, he kind of found himself player. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a football player and then he got injured and then he was asked to do a film and then things went from there. He does seem like a smaller, faster kind of football player. He seems so small next to the bat and the and next to Cat. He played against the Batman and the Batman said that this guy was the fastest, like one of the most athletic, fastest human beings he'd ever seen. Where Christopher Nolan sat him down at the beginning and said, so this is going to be really hard. And he's like, oh, that's great. And he's excited for his opportunity because he's coming into his own as an actor, not just with this movie, but with Black Klansman and kind of distancing himself from the shadow of his dad. And still he got on there and said, yeah, you're right. This is really hard. And I wonder how much all that preparation was worth it. So bear with me here. He learned to fight and choreograph and act. And then he learned to do it backwards. The cast, primary cast, learned to speak backwards, to walk backwards, to fight backwards. And Kenneth Branagh had to do it with a Russian accent backwards. So obviously you can employ some of the cinematic tricks of which 
Christopher Nolan employed very few, relatively few. This movie has almost no effect shots. And what he could have done was simply play the film backwards. It's a very easy button push on Avid to be able to edit this movie using it backwards. But instead, some of the stuff that we saw forward because those people were inverted were actually speaking and acting in reverse. And I wonder how much that was necessary for the payoff. To me, it looked like a giant mishmash where I wasn't sure what was legitimately backwards. In fact, wasn't aware that they were actually moving and speaking backwards because I found it all kind of confusing. I was trying to keep up with the convoluted plot to say nothing of the physicality on screen. Yeah, we were almost, I was looking for the unnaturalness of footage being played in reverse as a cue for what was backward and what was forward. And because there was an odd naturalness to the inverted scenes, it wasn't totally clear to me always that they were inverted, right? right. I know yeah. that the that the oxygen masks were employed to help us keep things straight, but I am not 100% confident they were consistent with the oxygen masks. And if they were, then there's something I don't understand about inversion. And how the, an inverted object or a person, the reactions that that person or object causes, for example, an explosion creating a dirt plume, is that inverted as well? It was wonky enough so that I wasn't really sure. You have to get on board, but I wasn't sure how far that inversion extends to the real world because it doesn't affect except in a direct physical way when they're fighting people that are moving forward. I think that when you're inverted and moving backward through time, then yes, everything is inverted. In fact, anything that you touch is inverted. Anything that you cause and any cause and effect are reversed. But I think you can toggle between inversion and moving forward without a turnstile. Did you get that? No, I didn't. My understanding is the turnstile puts you backwards until, and I don't think they made it implicitly clear every time someone switched back and forth, we were just meant to understand. Now they go forward, then they go backwards kind of thing. At least in the final battle, Robert Pattinson goes back and forth, and maybe he's going back to the turnstile each time. He switches directions, but there's definitely more than just a blue team inverted Robert Pattinson in the final battle. Maybe he was acting in reverse and they were playing it forward to deceive you because he was a pretty, the Batman was a pretty deceptive character in this movie. Not to say that he was malicious, but we definitely had some revelations. And honestly, given the title, given the concept, we should have expected that he, that Christopher Nolan in particular would allow for people to play unexpected roles. I think that we should have seen that what's her name, uh, was the person jumping off the boat, especially when we understood the concept of inversion and that JD would play against himself or have contributions back to the future style to past events. Because like Memento, wow, way deep spoiler, he sets this whole operation into motion through his choices, albeit in the past when he doesn't know yet what he's doing. You mean in the future? Right. Yeah, see? And because effect does not follow cause in the inverse, it's sort of hard to anticipate what to expect, hard to know what to feel, and thus hard to embrace the tension of what I'm supposed to be expecting. They're like, we're going to do a thing. Some of it may be backwards. And I'm like, okay, let me know when that thing is done so that I know what we did. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you saying, which was my feeling, that Christopher Nolan may have gone a little bit too far in Tenet with the timey-wimey, sciencey-wincey stuff? Here's what I came away with. When Christopher Nolan said, I love James Bond films and I wanted to make a traditional globe-trotting spy thriller. I thought, well, that's cool. And he said, but I didn't want to make a James Bond movie, so I didn't review any of the the James Bond movies that influenced me. Rather, I relied upon a memory of my concept of the James Bond movies to make a cinematic experience in that universe. That's hella paraphrasing and maybe embellishing a little bit. But if James Bond, if the Broccolis had gotten together and they took a pitch from a young upcoming Christopher Nolan nobody director and he was like I've got this great idea in the future a terrorist scientist guy invents inversion so James Bond has to globetrot and time travel while experiencing other people whose entropy is reversed and he's gonna learn how to be reversed it's gonna be awesome they would be like, no, that's maybe a little bit more complicated than we want to go with this one. It seems less fun. Why complicate a good thing? We got the James Bond thing. He doesn't have to be backwards. And Christopher Nolan does not have those detractors and can be like, I'm going to do it. And they're like, you're going to do it? Warner Brothers is like, you're going to do it? And he's like, I'm going to do it. And they're like, okay, you're going to do it. Um, here's $200 million for the most expensive original production in film history or whatever or $300 million, or whatever it was. This was the most expensive movie ever made, not based on existing material, as far as we know, because he could go back in time and create existing material, like Bill and Ted, and we just don't know it yet. So if you remove the, I don't know, I'm not sure that you answered my question, but here's another one. If you remove the Christopher Nolan time travel layer, and you just played out the Vietnam yacht scene, and the final battle scene, and the terrorist attack on the opera house side by side as simultaneously occurring events and intercut between those three stories would this have been a compelling james bond-esque film for you i don't think so here's why aside from the fact that jd cannot exist at the opera house and in the final no, battle, I get it. battle scene at the same time as action sequences go i love that christopher nolan is practical and I, I love that he's willing to blow stuff up planes and buildings and all kinds of ridiculous stuff that he's going to force his actors to to train in reverse and do all this crazy stuff but it felt a little bit placid there is some benefit to embellished action and i think when you're inverted this could have been something more of an effects spectacle a doctor strange level visible bending and warping 
of reality. And so when we didn't get that, when we got the opera scene, which was neat because it was expansive and there was a lot of people on a lot of squibs and and it was complex and and well staged and everything, it felt a little bit boring. When I heard about Tenet and they said Christopher Nolan crashes a freaking plane in this movie, for reals, I was like, cool. And I got to say, I was a little bit let down by that. I didn't remember until after he crashed a plane. And I was like, eh, that was, I mean, that thing was going maybe 10, 12 miles an hour. It's pretty cool, I guess. It was cool because it was a massive cargo plane crashing into a building and there's like gold flying out of it and it's kind of spectacular but it didn't have to be this massive cargo plane with the gold diversion it could have been any plane and it would have created the necessary diversion that they needed to get into the free port which they do twice once forward and once inverted that being said there were some effects that were heightened because of the premise. The the simultaneously exploding and imploding building was pretty rad. That was pretty cool. It was cool to watch on a basic visual level. Like it was cool to watch JD's car, spoiler that we didn't know, JD was in the car, flip backwards as Batman and JD are moving forwards. And was that an that inverted was cool. car? Yes, but it was partially it was a car wreck and car wrecks are cool and inverted reversed car wrecks are also cool but only to a point and furthermore you know they shot that car wreck in reverse and then forwarded it right i don't know but I'm i know kidding. that they drove <laughs> but they drove but well the, that was leading and in, segueing into my my point which was that those cars drove backwards. They closed an eight-kilometer stretch of freeway in some country, and they closed it for like three weeks, and they had people driving backwards, some of the best drivers, stunt drivers in the world, doing all kinds of crazy stuff backwards. But it didn't look... Obviously, it's not natural, but if you're reversing it, then my eye can track proper reversal. When the, It's proper the, unnaturalness. Right. When the ship is cutting through the water and the waves are breaking at the bow and, okay, this is obviously a scene, we have to anticipate an inversion coming up. I, watching the car scenes, I couldn't really track what was natural reversal and which was some weird staged version of it. So mm-hmm. I'm, all that to say that I confused the eye and confounded the understanding in a JFK kind of way. Like Oliver Stone, it seemed very intentional. I have no doubt that Christopher Nolan, if he released the annotated screenplay of an, of uh, in, of <laughs> of Tenet, I think he has. Everything would make sense. The cast talks about how they had to read this movie, this this screenplay. They had to go to Warner Brothers and go into the scary, uh, fully secure room and read this screenplay and then read it again and then again. And Batman said he went in there and read it and was like, I'm just going to let it wash over me. I'm going to get a concept. And then he walked out of the room and Christopher Nolan was like, "You, you did you read it that fast? And he was like, uh-oh, I missed stuff. Undoubtedly, it all makes sense. Not just in Christopher Nolan's mind, but if you were to separate the timelines, draw diagrams and stuff. But in execution and sitting down, I wanted more fun than it was. So he did go too far. It sounds like you were... It doesn't sound like you were necessarily hung up on the science stuff, but rather that the science stuff was too much front and center and there was less 
just kind of cool stuff to enjoy. Is that what you're saying? More like I had to separate myself from the science because this movie is moving forward in time. And I had two and a half hours and it was a fight from start to finish. And I couldn't be troubled by the fact that the, the, the person that I was fighting was fighting in reverse, right? I had to just kind of get through the fight and survive. I had to get through Tenet trying to make sense of what I was seeing enough so that I would be carried along by the stakes and by the tension. And I felt like that a lot of the time, and sometimes I didn't. So when the science got wonky and I wasn't sure how far the inversion extended beyond the objects that were conceptually inverted, I kind of held on to the more human element. And I have to say, Christopher Nolan is typically pretty good at infusing the human element and and Kat and her her longing to you know maintain her relationship with her son, her access to her son, even if she has to put herself through hell to do it. And so I just kind of focused on the human element, and they were like, okay, we're going to do another action scene now, and some of it's going to be inverted. Hang on. And so I did. And I thought that the uh, hijacking of the plutonium, I think it was plutonium, it could have been a component of the algorithm, where they boxed in the cars, the convoy, and, uh, and he scrambled on the ladder to get in. I thought that was cool. But without effects and being completely practical and safe so that nobody dies, it was a little bit undynamic. It was like 10 cars riding along a freeway while one person or two people jump back and forth. And that's really hard to pull off technically. Also kind of boring to watch on screen. Yeah. It was a simple kind of box maneuver. And I guess the point was to keep the Mark car moving. Yes. So they can track it. Yeah. So that they could track it. And that so that even if there was no radio communication, they would assume that the car was still okay because it was still in motion. Right. And one of those cars was a fire truck because they needed the articulating ladder so yes. that John David Washington could get the MacGuffin. So, yeah, that scene did feel a little tired and the human element seemed a little tired, which can be the saving grace. If you don't get Inception, you can still get Cobb's very human desire to reunite with his family. But Kat's long sufferingness for her son Not only did that seem kind of tripe, but I didn't understand why it was so important to JD. Like you were saying how children are kind of nuisances in action films. Like she was kind of, her and her plight for her son kind of became a little bit of a nuisance. Like the whole Freeport heist was to help her. Because naturally in Tenet, at least upon first viewing, there comes a point where trying to track it becomes futile. And you kind of have to give up and you kind of have to fall back on the human element and the spectacle and the spectacle in some places like the car set piece was a little boring and the human element was a little trite. However, the spectacle was pretty spectacular. I mean, Tenet to me felt like the action movie version of Succession where it's all like yachts and production value, production value, production value. It's like, let's go to the dockyard where everything is huge and mechanical and there's cranes and, you know, let's go to the airport. Like all of these things felt like he was just going for ultimate production value and spectacle. If Tenet were an experimental Netflix original, wherein they said, we are going to try this movie partially in reverse, check it out. I would have said it was gimmicky. And I would have said, I'm glad this is on Netflix because it feels like a concept that not everybody can get on board with. 
And I'm not sure that this movie would do big business at the box office because people would come away feeling kind of stupid. And they can watch it at home and kind of get a feel for it, pause it, rewind it, put, turn on the subtitles, do whatever they need to do. Tenet is a decidedly theatrical experience. I drove 75 miles one way. I think you drove a hell of a lot more than that. And it took up your entire day because we understand that Christopher Nolan movies are spectacles. But knowing that and giving Christopher Nolan his credence and his contribution to movies and his willingness to take unbelievable chances. I wonder if he was given kind of a Paul Thomas Anderson level of mm. autonomy. A little bit too much leeway. Where nobody reins him in and he says he's going to do a thing and conceptually you're like, whoa. But practically speaking upon viewing it, is it worth all the trouble that he went to? Is it worth a crazy vast budget for me to be confused, for me to ride on the anticipation and my real admiration and love for Christopher Nolan movies to come away with Tenet, which I was a little bit disappointed in. It was like inflated memento. And that movie conceptually was a small thriller movie that was arguably more effective. Hmm. I'm sure that one day in the future, I've already watched this movie a hundred times and I've dissected it and I wish that I could come back in time and tell my dumb, dumb self right now, this is what you should say to make yourself look smarter than you actually are. Tenet has a couple things working against it, right? We could only see it once. We saw it without the benefit of subtitles and there was a lot of pressure going in for it to perform because it was our first back in theaters experience. And I was thinking when I... When I watched Tenet, I had in the back of my mind you saying, I don't remember a time where Inception doesn't make sense to me. And I was wondering what it might feel like to be at that place with Tenet. This is what it's like. <laughs> this is a reminder of what it might have been like for you when you first saw Inception. And I'd like to think that with time and with additional viewings, Tenet will come to be satisfying. But let's talk about some of the things that are satisfying because certainly, it certainly wasn't devoid of those things. Like the Neil character was pretty dynamic and the time premise was most fun in his character because it gave him so many layers. We know now looking back at his first encounter with JD that he knows him well and that they're longtime friends at that point, at least from Robert Pattinson's perspective. And it brings new meaning to JD saying, I like club soda and him being like, no, you don't. And then we find out he was in the opera house and we find out that he saved his life in the cave where the algorithm was like his character had most fun with the time premise. Yeah, I wish I could have had the fun with him. <laughs> also, Kenneth Branagh, I felt him as like the evil arms dealing plutonium wielding algorithm finding the w <laughs> I read one review that compared the algorithm to a horcrux <laughs> and I was like yeah that's pretty that's actually pretty appropriate yeah I took very few notes so when they talked about the algorithm I wrote one ring to rule them all and, and nine <laughs> nine rings given you know the nine rings of uh of middle Perfect. earth was another one but it didn't really matter that they were scattered about the earth or whatever, because by the time we even learned about the algorithm, he already has eight of the nine pieces. Yeah, and they scattered him again at the end. Well, kind of. I mean, JD goes away with more than half. Well, they broke it up three ways. The Batman took some, JD took some, Kickass took some. But the Batman gave it back to JD so that the Batman could go back to the turnstile, be inverted, and go back into the cave to die. Right. So JD walked right, away with right, two thirds of it. Right, 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 right. 
<laughs> and so we're, I get it. We're talking about the stuff that we like. We liked about Tenet. Like I'm redlining in my logical ability to process this movie right now. I'm like, wait, I, I think I get some of it. I think I get some of it. And my the two brain cells are fighting right now. I asked you the question and I'll answer it myself. I think that Christopher Nolan went a little too far with Tenet. And there will come a point, too, where I start resenting the film for all the work I have to do just to kind of enjoy it. <laughs> it's like right. he pokes you in the eye and says, it's all going to make sense, you know, 10 minutes from now. And you're like, dude, you poked me in the eye. It was a concept that works best on paper and in Christopher Nolan's mind. And I really, really wanted to like it. And 10 years from now, I will probably really, really like it. So what does this mean, Wes? I, if, if, if Inception is Christopher Nolan's magnum opus, where does this fall for you? Um, Inception treads a very fine line of being confusing, but it's just more to unwrap and more payoff for a thorough and detailed revisit. And I hope the tenant will be the same. But right now I'm in the confusing stage where you're hoping it's fun, but it seems like a lot of work and it's, in, it's, it's more, maybe more trouble than it's worth. Tenet was a bit of a time suck. Ah. Uh, I'm going to have to go with a whatever. And it pains me to say wow. it, but I got to be true to myself. And my future self is yelling at me right now. There is some lingering curiosity. Hopefully that will survive until the opportunity to see it again arises. But for right now, I'm frustrated with how I came away and was left with my own thoughts in a dark room uh, trying to unpack Tenet. I sense some disappointment there, too, and I'm sorry about that. I think it's rather unfortunate. I, too, am glad that Christopher Nolan does what he does, and I've invested so much time already. Somehow I must think that it's worth it. And I still do. I still have hope for Tenet. And because of that, I can't give it a boring. I'll give it a douge, which is an <laughs> inverted good, <laughs> and call it at that. And frankly, give it a couple years. And then maybe we can revisit. We can we can do our, our second review on Tenet after uh, we've had some time to digest this really unwieldy film. So that's our review on Tenet. A whatever from Wes, a good from Iris. There are lots of conversations swirling around this movie, so please let us know what you think. 818-835-0473 is our hotline or whatever movies at gmail.com. But most importantly, please subscribe, share our podcast. These things help people find us. We're still growing and we appreciate your support. So I hope you enjoyed our review on Tenant. We'll see you next time. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electricast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electricast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electricast podcasts and hear the culture. 
Electricast. Electricast. 